0: Hey friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your host, Katie, and this is episode 225. I am so excited for you to listen to today's episode. For those of you who don't know, I am a non-diet dietitian and trainer with a virtual private practice based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. So what that means is I coach and counsel women all across the country on how to actually implement a non-diet approach. It's one thing to read about intuitive eating, to listen to podcasts, to, you know, watch YouTube videos, but to actually implement it in your own life can be challenging. So what I do in my practice is I actually do one-on-one coaching sessions to help women navigate this and apply it to their own life. So I am honored and just so excited for you to listen to today's episode. It is with one of my former clients who is also named Katie. And she's going to share more about her story from her perspective. So I think it's really interesting and important to hear the story from others, to hear others' journey with intuitive eating, because it's so true. While many of my clients have similar stories, everyone's journey is unique and beautiful in its own way. I do want to give a trigger warning. We will be talking about fertility Uh, and, you know, some trauma that Katie has experienced in her own life. So just giving you a mental heads up. If you're not in the right headspace, maybe that's an area that you're struggling with or is close to you right now. Maybe you, you know, save this episode for another time or skip it altogether. Do what you need to do to honor, uh, your space. So without further ado, onto the show. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s, all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fears. Katie, so good to see you again. I'm so happy you're here on the podcast. I'm so happy to be here and to see you too. Okay. Well, for our listeners, we were doing this via Zoom and Katie has a friend in the background, but we had to turn off our our (laughs) video for better audio So tell us, just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and who this friend is in the background, what (laughs) was in the background.
1: Yes. Okay. Um, Hi, I'm Katie. I live in uh, the New York City vicinity. I'm a radio producer for radio stations across the country via a company that I work for. So basically, I write my primary uh, news thing is that I do is I write lifestyle and offbeat news all day long and put it into morning prep stuff that only radio stations can see and behind me the, the person that you can't see i have a a skeleton friend <laughs> <laughs> that can talk because it's halloween week and that's my favorite thing so he had to come <laughs>
0: yeah and i felt like vip so honored that you said yes because it's your favorite week of the year and i'm <laughs> telling you listeners like nobody loves halloween as much as you do and i love <laughs> your love for halloween it makes me so happy
1: oh uh, yeah i mean it's good it's good like it just good vibes like spooky good innocent fun and why not like who wouldn't love it that's why
0: yes i love <laughs> it so let's start by you know kind of understanding your story right like so just start by telling us you know what was food like growing up for you
1: so food in my house was actually not a big deal like it was just it was easy my parents my mom got really sick when i was little and so food became just like and she, and part of her illness was that after a certain point she could no longer eat so it was just kind of like not survival I mean my family tried to make food fun but it wasn't like the center of anything and it wasn't highly policed or anything like that so that's how food basically was
0: yeah it was just part of what you did and like you said it yeah. sounded like there were parts of life where it really wasn't the focus it was just kind of another thing you had to do
1: yeah, like to a certain extent, I guess it was about survival, but it didn't feel dire or anything. It just was like, you know, and your kids, like, I don't know, we weren't, let's put it this way. We weren't like huge foodies, but I didn't have parents that were like hyper-focused on dieting or anything like that either. Like, so, but it just was a matter of like, okay, we're going to make sure the kids eat three meals a day, like regardless of like what's happening in the house or, you know, at that point in time. So it was partly survival because when you have a sick parent, it's, you know, becomes more like that.
0: Yeah. What about movement? How did movement tie in to your like early years as a kid? So,
1: I I was active and I have a little brother and he was super active. I guess in our house it was activity was came naturally to to me and my brother as kids and our parents encouraged whatever kind of activity we wanted to do. But it wasn't it wasn't ever again, it never felt like a requirement, it never um it never was like, "Oh, you must" you know run 3 miles today or anything like that like <laughs> <laughs> and we had a pool because i grew up in a condominium complex that included a pool and a like tennis court and so we were in the pool all summer like we played sports both of us i mean i i can speak for myself and my brother played sports too as kids like i played soccer i played lacrosse like we hiked we like did all normal kids stuff we were outside a lot we rode bikes a lot like it was just fun activity like it was just that's how i look at it as a kid
0: yeah. Just play. You just moved your body and it was just fun. And didn't, yeah. it sounds like, sounds like similar to food. you Didn't really think much about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't, it was great. It was, it was like, you do what you feel like doing and you don't think about it, which is how it should be. But when you're a kid, it's it easier, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we've, we've had many of those conversations, you know, thinking back to like what food was, you know, how we felt in our bodies as kids and movement. Right. And so Talk to us a little bit about more about how that you know relationship with food or the dynamic with food evolved, really, or what was the changing point where it it had more different ties.
1: Well, so okay, as I got older, my mom passed away when I was sixteen, and I was dealing with like the emotional fallout of her death and her life and being so ill and everything. And I think I was I was high anxiety. And that affected my stomach and like my desire to eat, even when I look back, even for like a few, like when I was maybe 10, 11, 12, like up through that point. Um, and so I always ate, but I would go through periods of time where like, I didn't feel like eating or I felt like sick to my stomach, but not- But I wasn't actually sick. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm an adult, I can look back and say that was probably due to anxiety and like worry about my mom's illness and stuff. And then after her illness and I got a little bit older, let's say go you know, up through college and I start like really like making my own food choices. I'm not living at home, you know, that felt fairly normal. And then I had a a college roommate who was dieting and like, I had never really, I'm not, I mean, obviously I knew what diets were, but I hadn't been exposed to anyone close to me dieting, like really like that. Mm -hmm. I remember trying to copy her a little bit at one point, like she wasn't doing anything harmful, I don't think, but it's just the idea that you know, like we have to have salad now kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then as I progress into full on adulthood, you know, desk job, I just start using food as a way to cope with feelings of being totally overwhelmed at work or being overwhelmed, but also bored and stuck behind a desk and using food as a mental and emotional escape from that, which isn't great. And I start to feel bad about myself and I gain weight and I feel just not so wonderful. Like just not, I'm not happy with how I treat food. I'm not happy. Like I'm not listening to my body anymore. It gets harder when you're an adult. (laughs) I have to do adult things. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. Well, what you're describing it, I think it's so common for so many, especially gosh, I actually just looked back. I was like, can't believe it's been a year since you and I worked together. Yeah. And so I want to go back to, you know, that moment, you know, 16 years old is such a pivotal time, you know, when we're, Our bodies are changing, like we're making more decisions, you know, becoming into adulthood. And so, as far as like the anxiety goes and how that felt physically in your body, did that anxiety progress kind of into adulthood or or what was, you know, how did that continue to tie in later in life?
1: Yeah. I mean, I still think I deal with it to some extent, even now. Uh, I don't know if it's something I'll ever be free of. I think it's just, I think it's part of my personality. I think it's part of, like when you're so young and you're formed by something I've never, I think I should add, I've never been like officially diagnosed with um, anxiety Mm -hmm. by a professional or anything, but I don't know. I think I just, as I grow older, I still have it. And I think as you know, your relationships change with people and and your day-to-day changes. So I met my now husband like at the right after I graduated college and I moved in with him like within a year And I was around his family and and how they treat food is very different to how my family ever treated food Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it's like anxiety takes on different weird forms. If you're trying to please somebody and you don't even know you're doing it, for example, or if you're trying to fit in with someone else's family even, right. And like fit their norm and fit their, you want to be liked by them. So these, I think they all play into an anxiety that you may or may not realize you're dealing with like that. It's the anxiety inside of you. That's maybe causing some of that behavior.
0: Yeah. It sounds like the physical for you, it was really identifying the physical feelings and kind of starting to separate the physical feelings from the emotional feelings. Is that how you would describe it?
1: Yeah. I still think, honestly, I think I sometimes struggle with that even now. So like, mm-hmm. If my stomach doesn't feel great one day, I won't necessarily be like, "Oh, it's because I'm feeling anxious." If there's no obvious cause, you know, but that could be why anyway. Or like, "Oh, my shoulders are sore because I've been hiking them up to my ears for like yeah. the last three <laughs> Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. that that awareness for sure. Tell us what was that? You know, you mentioned that your husband's family their dynamic with, with food was much different from what you were raised with food. What were some of the biggest differences or things that you had to work through through those early adult years? Well,
1: his I uh, now she's my mother-in-law and I very much love her, um, but she has had a dieting dynamic that she has expressed to me openly her whole life, basically. And that kind of carries over now, even now, and she's elderly now, but it still applies. And when I first moved in with his family, and I'm eating dinner with his parents, like basically every every night, every weeknight, because uh, we live in a two family house, mm-hmm. and we um, would go to work in the city all day, and then come home and have dinner with them, because that's just the way we did did stuff. But basically, yeah, they they're like a controlling element around food. Like they they can be controlling in general in their personalities, but when it, food is like a hardcore for them, it's very much like well, no, tonight we shouldn't have carbs because I am on a diet. And so no one gets to have carbs or like my mother-in-law successfully did Weight Watchers while we were together. And Mm -hmm. so that was a big thing. Like how many points is this? And like, can she have that tonight? And these are things that I had never been around in my life. Like so intensely, like so.
0: Were you absorbing some of those rules or. Did you just take it as this is information? You know, what was looking back now kind of how was that, you know, conversations around food, especially in such, you know, your environment, how was that kind of impacting the way that you started to look at food?
1: I definitely took some of it on and didn't even realize it because I was so, I wanted to belong with them. I wanted to like them to accept me and I wanted to fit their, like their narrative of the way the world worked or whatever. And I was living in the way I felt I was living in their house. So it was like, even if that wasn't the case, on some level, I was, I was thinking that I wanted to fit their rules because I wanted to be like, agreeable to them. And like, it became even worse, like once I started to gain weight on my own, like it was like, oh, wow, like his mom, like, was able to follow a strict diet and like lost a bunch of weight after trying for years. Now they're going to judge me because I am gaining weight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. The, was, op- the
0: opposite is is happening for me. Despite, yeah. And so it's it like new information.
1: Yeah. And so, and it wasn't like just because of them, it was a whole bunch of things happening at once, but it made me feel like shame. Like, why am I, why am I gaining weight? Like why can't I control myself? They will judge me. This is all internal by the way. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <You're>
0: like <laughs> Side note, love my family. They did not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's so yeah. I think that's so important to to mention though. Oh yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean,
1: no one ever was like openly cruel to me or anything. Like there was the occasional comment maybe every once in a great while, but they were truly upsetting to me. So they, I think they learned quickly that like, wasn't going to like motivate me or whatever they were trying to do. So I don't know, but it was mine. It was like the only time in my entire life that, I had been around people that I wanted so badly to like belong to and fit in with that, like viewed the world this way. Mm -hmm. Like I had never been so directly impacted by like outside of societal stuff. Like I had never, I don't know. I didn't have any direct influence over me. That was so hardcore. That was like, you know, being thin is the most important thing and like being, and you have to control what you eat to like look thin and to be healthy and to be, Acceptable and to be not lazy and to be Mm -hmm. smart, like all of the things connected Mm -hmm. to how you look and what you're eating. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah. It sounds like it was more, more than just food, right? For you, this was this like sense of belonging, this new chapter, this new like. It's all intertwined, just like you said. Yeah, we've had we've had many conversations about that, right? About what we believe, what other people believe, what society believes around bodies and what's seen as acceptable versus unacceptable
1: oh yeah like a hundred percent a hundred percent
0: so talk us through what were you feeling you know during that year that year that we should not speak of you know that, <laughs> that, and that prompted you you know where what was that turning point for you where you went okay I'm unhappy. I don't like this. I need outside help. What was what prompted you to seek out help?
1: Okay. So I had been like steadily gaining weight for a number of years, like not a a number of years. I was normal weight throughout my childhood and like young adulthood. But then at some point when I like hit the desk job life, I like really started gaining weight Mm -hmm. and I was getting concerned and I didn't, and I did weight watchers at one point and it, I lost some weight and then I gained it back. And then I tried to do it again a few years later, and I like lost less weight, and then I stopped, and then I gained it back, and I didn't know what to do anymore. Like I didn't want to diet anymore, but I knew that I needed to do something, and I didn't. I felt like trapped. I really felt trapped, like in I um, I don't know a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and then I had a friend on Instagram who was posting uh, your posts, like reposting your posts in her stories. And I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, who is this person?
0: <laughs> <laughs> who is who is this? What is this? what what is she even saying? What does this mean?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah." And I like looked. Then I, of course, I checked out your Instagram profile, and I talked to my friend a little bit about the concept of intuitive eating. And I was like, "Oh my goodness! Like, this is real. Like, maybe I need help, but like maybe." Maybe this is an answer for me. Like, maybe this is how I make peace with, like, I don't know. I just knew I needed something, right? Because, and even today I'm still not perfect, but I was like, I need to, um, I need to make a change, right? And you seemed like um, basically a sustainable change. Like, what you could teach me seemed meaningful, but not like throw, not like another diet, like in terms of, in terms of like, I don't know. It just seemed like a totally different ballgame, something I had never, considered or thought about
0: like yeah, in my mind. Like, yeah. Did it normalize? Did you feel like once you kind of started to learn about intuitive eating, like how did that normalize what you were feeling or experiencing? Cause it sounds like, you know, you've done the Weight Watchers, you you've heard these this different view or attempts of how to lose weight or how to, you know, be healthy, but still your gut was kind of like, Yeah, it just doesn't feel right. It's not right for me. I can't do that again.
1: Yeah. So I couldn't do it again because I, I mean, I really felt like I didn't have the willpower. So then I learned Mm -hmm. about intuitive eating and I learned that like diets don't work. And it's not just me, it's like the diet is set up to make you fail and it goes against biology and science. And I like to fall back on science when I can't make sense of stuff, right? Like science Mm -hmm. is comforting in a way, in a way. Yeah. And so intuitive eating, like backbone stuff, like, it helped in so many ways, but like, and the number one thing was it being like, you didn't fail the diet, like the diet mm-hmm. failed you. And there is a relationship to be healed with your body and your psyche as to like, why you've quote unquote failed it, you know, like, mm-hmm. and yeah. How, yeah. I don't know. Does that help? I don't know if that was. Yeah. In-
0: no, that, that totally makes sense. I think, you know, so, so let me ask you this what for you were some of the biggest aha moments that you had through starting the process? Um, I think
1: it was like, like number one, like the whole, I know I just said this, but the fact that like diets are not going to work. <laughs> it's like one level. Number two was that um, you can't be addicted to food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Does that mean? <laughs> Those uh, are the yeah, no.
0: And I want to go back to that you know, diets don't work because I don't, I'm curious how you feel about this. I think it's one thing to read that, to, you know, read about the science, to see it in front of your face. But I think it's another thing to really process and truly believe. Yeah. Like internalize that. No, that's a diet that doesn't work. What was part of that process for you to truly fully believe that?
1: Um, well, I mean, I had my own like, quote unquote failure, like as as obvious, like evidence that doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. But even now, like even saying it out loud, I feel a slight sense of shame or like, I shouldn't admit that, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like, it's, it, it takes a pressure off, I guess, like if you choose to believe it, and then you do the further reading in the workbook that you sent, and you embrace the science, and you realize like, why it doesn't work and like the actual physical dynamics of her body and like what your body requires and how if your body doesn't get those things that it wants or needs at that moment, like if you keep denying it, then your body doesn't trust you. And then it promotes a vicious cycle of like binging and all these things. And those are things, you know, words that get weaponized like by the commercial dieting industry all the time. Mm -hmm. So when you can separate the science from the messages that it gets like warped into and look at it, like, you're fighting biology when you're doing a diet.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, mean? I like how you just said it, it takes a weight off. What did that feel like for you? When you say it kind of took this weight off or this pressure off?
1: Uh, well, because like you don't feel like it's your fault anymore. Like the fact that I, cause okay, like society, you know, like we've talked about and it's totally intuitive eating. It injects a morality into it injects morality into food and to how you look and into the diet you choose and everything related to how you appear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically failing a diet, it can feel like you are personally a failure or like gaining weight or whatever. And this took that away because it was like the fact that you failed the, I keep saying failed, but
0: like the fact that the diet didn't yeah. work
1: is not I your that's, fault. That's a great,
0: that's an accurate word. I think so many people feel that. And with that feeling of failure, there is a shame. Especially when we're comparing our bodies or you know our experience to somebody else, it's like, why could they do it, but I couldn't right, right.
1: And it took some of that away. I mean, I'm still working at it every day to try to like shake some of that. like don't get me wrong, I like our work was great, but it's hard to un if you're deprogramming your entire brain for like your but you're fed like subliminally for your whole life, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's like it's still a journey, you know?
0: you know? Yeah, it really is reprogramming. So, with that being said, you know, what were some of the most challenging parts? Let's start with like specifically through the work that we did together, but then I also want to hear what are some of the challenging parts still. Okay,
1: so I guess for ours for our work, it was hard to like face, you know, it's hard to put all of it out on the table, like to be like, I, maybe like all the feelings. Cause like this work, isn't just about the surface stuff. You know, it's about Mm -hmm. deep (laughs) inner healing almost with an inner, like, you have to really like, you have to put all the junk on the table and look at it. (laughs) And that's Uh, a good way to
0: explain it.
1: And you did that, you know, like you helped me do that. And uh, that part isn't always easy, you know. Like there's some tears and there's some you gotta like dredge up all this psychology and like stuff that happened to you 10 years ago, 12 years ago, you know, when you were a kid or whatever that's contributing to like maybe why you are where you are. And that that part isn't easy. Even if like like my life wasn't terrible or anything. And like I said, my parents are pretty cool with with uh, eating and stuff, but the stuff that, you know. And I guess the, my biggest challenge still now is like, it's hard because my, I love my husband very much and he's great on most things, but when it comes to food, he can still be like a little strange and controlling like his mom Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I think he learned it from his parents, but you know, it's like comments about like what you're eating or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's stuff like that. And I have, I had to learn to like deflect it and not rebel against it. And which yeah. is part of the intuitive eating thing that we learned, you know? And I yeah. still, not that I like go for a cookie every time. He's like, why'd you eat that? Choose that for lunch or whatever. But that for me, I think he, and he I make him sound like it's not, he's not like the food police all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's sure. just that some, you know, occasional comments. I, I really don't like when people are commenting on what I'm eating. And so, you know. He he doesn't fully respect that boundary that I try.
0: Still learning how to navigate that. And I think just like what you said, you know, I think for for listeners to recognize that you had a childhood that wasn't, you know, food focused and movement and, and even just these short exposures or, you know, I say air quotes short, you know, even just a few months or a few years, but also just the society that we live in really can ingrain a lot of it. And so, you know, when you have these other people in your environment, you know, you you mentioned like, you're still working through it, right? A year later, like it's still a process. It's still a practice. And so recognizing that the people outside, you know, even in our closest circles who don't experience food the same way we do, it's even a more of a learning process for them. A
1: hundred percent, especially if they still embrace diet culture and like think that that's the way it should be, and, or they have no desire to like waver from. What even if you like impart like someone you're close with and you impart some of this knowledge on them, you know that doesn't mean they have to believe it or that's take it in as their own. Yeah, and so you have you know someone rolling their eyes at you because you're like, this is what I learned, and they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like you're still overweight, so I don't care what you say. You know that's that's hurts a little bit, but it is what it is, and you like. It's like, you have to, you really have to be strong in your belief. Mm.
0: So, yeah. So how have you, cause we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, self-care, right. And, oh, yeah. and throughout this journey and boundaries being part of those. So what are some of the things that you have done personally in terms of self-care to really just help this healing process? Uh, so
1: it was silly, but it was true that like, in our work, we, like, kind of determined that I needed to, like, have more time to myself to, like, do what I wanted to do kind of thing, which it sounds so simple or whatever. But basically, I still am doing this most of the time, though not every single day. But getting up earlier to just do whatever I feel like doing and, like, not have to, like, overthink it. Like, oh, like doing this thing is going to make me happy. I should do it. I should take the time out of my day to do it as opposed to, like, just getting you know like I don't I don't know how else to describe it but yeah give
0: some, like- give some examples of some of the things because I love I love the things that you always came up with that <laughs> oh. you're like this is what I did this morning and it made me so happy and <laughs> I don't care what anybody else thinks like give us some examples
1: oh yeah so okay so like last probably I think it was like late November because that's the only time I would allow this <laughs> but uh, I had gotten like some uh, Christmas lights like the curtain lights and I wanted to put them up in like the windows in my living room and I was like my husband, I make him sound so terrible. He's pretty great. But he, <laughs> he, I knew that if I did it while well, he was like, because we've both been working from home together for almost two years now. So this is where this yeah. comes in. That he would have some like, oh, why are you bothering to do that? Like, don't like, don't worry about it. Like, we don't need that. Like, It's you
0: know. it's just us. Yeah, kind of Yeah, thing. like,
1: yeah. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to get up before he gets up and I'm going to put him up. I don't care. And then all I can do is do it without comments or like whatever. I don't care. And I did that and it was so great. Like I, it was December or whatever, late November. So the, this, I wasn't up that early. I probably was up at like seven or six 45 or whatever. And I, I watched the sunrise and it was like a beautiful sunrise. It was like, mm. you know, purple and pink and everything. And then I was, you know, hanging up these lights. And as a rule, I just love lights. Like I love,
0: I love lights. <laughs> so twinkle lights, yeah. and just all the things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I put up the lights and it looked awesome, and. He didn't really say anything bad about them, by the way. <laughs> Just, But I did it, and I, you know, I did it for me. It was also nice to, like, pull my head out of my phone. Like, I hadn't been taking enough time away from my phone. That was a big component of also what I learned with you, which is so silly. It sounds silly, but it's not silly. Like, it's...
0: Wait, the I, like, phone part? What a, what I don't remember. Remind okay, so... what
1: all, What we talked more about.
0: Oh, sure, sure. You were...
1: It wasn't anything you said, but you made once we talked about the component of like self care and like doing stuff that you feel like doing. Like I realized like how much time I was spending staring at my phone. In like for example, in the morning before I would get out of bed or whatever, and stuff like that. And I was like, hey, if I didn't like do that today, I could like go hang all the Christmas lights if I don't start my phone for thirty minutes instead. You know, like that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, the little, little things. things.
1: Like
0: that. Yeah, yeah, the little things that. Especially yeah, the work that we were doing, gosh, it was depths of of 2020. And so that was a big conversation of like, gosh, I've got to do these things for me that make me feel good that no, you know, nobody else has to understand them, but that makes me feel good and help me take care of myself. So, you know, kind of over the past, you know, year, you know, how has this journey with with food and movement influenced you?
1: I had to work really hard on self acceptance and we mm-hmm. you like gave me tools to like really really help tap into that and to like really let go of food like the I didn't really have a lot of rules but it's like weird like even if you don't have quote unquote like diet rules you do like I feel like mm, yeah. everybody kind of does and even if it's very simple things like oh I can only eat eggs at breakfast or something and so it was okay so for me it was like really truly letting go and i'm like i said i still feel like it's a process even though Mm -hmm. like letting go of food rules and um accepting myself now like accepting myself for how i look right now in the mirror and like not being so harsh and not being and trying to have more self-compassion in the sense of like how would you speak to a friend if they were going through this kind of Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. um I think those were some of the biggest things for me and to like keep incorporating the self-care and like doing stuff that I wanted to do to like make space for myself, because that helps with everything else. Like it helps with anxiety. It helps with the feelings that for example, may have driven me to like eat in a way that I don't want to eat or like I is not faithful to like hunger cues and fullness cues and things like that. So those are the two big things I think.
0: How would you define You know, self-acceptance. It's just like you,
1: again, it's like an ongoing journey. I think especially as a woman, you know, Mm -hmm. society like really doesn't want us to like ourselves very much. And they want to sell us every product to like make us acceptable, you know. Mm -hmm. But like, I haven't been happy, like, well, I hadn't been happy with how my body and stuff is looking in terms of like what I view as societal norms of being attractive or whatever. And... I really struggled with that. Really. I think a lot of women do it. So I'm not like unique here, but mm-hmm. I just learned that like, you don't have to like, um, it's okay to want to change how you look, but you also have to, you know, I can appreciate what my body does for me. I can appreciate, yeah. You, know, you have to like love the skin you're in kind of thing. <laughs> I think you're, mm-hmm. you know, you can love yourself on the journey. If you're on a journey to, to whatever, like fitness or you know, whatever it may be, but like, you can still honor your body now. Like you can still be, and that is, that is acceptable. Uh, Like you should mm -hmm. like, you know, I say it like that because you're, we're taught so hardcore, like subliminally and every other way that, no, it's about the result. You know, it's not about Mm -hmm. when you look this way or whatever you have to look as close as you can to this. Mm -hmm. And once you get there, then you can celebrate and you can, but then you feel bad about yourself all the time.
0: Yeah, and and then the the end point or that result or like the end goal, it just keeps changing, or it just keeps yeah, getting yeah, yeah. further and further, you're, and it's like we never actually celebrate it.
1: Absolutely, you'll never reach it. It's I think we to be could apply that.
0: Tomorrow. Yeah, I think we could apply that to so many areas too. I think just as as women and celebrating like success and milestones and oh
1: yeah, because they yeah absolutely because we're it's just a perpetual like you're not supposed to feel like that the way society has it, it's like, you're never good enough,
0: you know, yeah. so somewhat
1: in so many ways. But
0: yeah, as you've practiced that, you know, self acceptance, and, you know, that more compassionate voice, how has that impacted just other parts of your life, like outside of food? So let's see,
1: my husband and I started trying to conceive um, in November of 2019. So like right before the year that will not be spoken of. That we shall not speak of, even <laughs> yeah, though I spoke yeah. of it. <laughs> we talked about it. Yeah. And it didn't work. I got, like, I mean, it didn't work. And when I was started working with you, it still didn't work. Mm-hmm. And when I went to my doctor for help and I took some medications and that didn't work. And then I went to a better, you know, a specialist and I eventually got to IVF. But It just, that in itself is
0: such a, that in itself is such a journey too. So, you know, kind of going back to how was this intuitive eating journey, you know, both challenging and freeing working alongside intuitive eating, right? Because I can imagine there was, there was both, right? Like, especially with fertility, right? What is oftentimes a number one recommendation? Right. So, oh yeah. Well, no one. Either thank God. either from other people or from just society or the internet. The
1: internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I can tell you. The internet had lots of suggestions. Like it's such a giving, <laughs> yeah. like, giving up gluten and dairy. And I don't have, I don't have any condition that would require me to like medical condition that would require me to do either of those things. God, the internet really, really makes you feel like it's your fault. Like mm. even if it's not, even if it's proven by medical tests that it's not your fault. Like the internet, like a large part of the internet will make you think it is your fault that you can't conceive that you're, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, and that may more or less that it primarily rides on your diet choices. So Mm -hmm. to an extent, right? So that was hard, but it also, you know, you're just, you're battling with your body in a way that you, I have never, I personally have been very lucky in my life. I've, I've been mostly healthy. I've been I never, I mean, obviously, you know, you have your internal struggles about your physical appearance as everybody does, but I had never had a major issue with my body, like failing Mm -hmm. me in terms of anything typical or major. So going through this, it felt like my body was failing me. Like it was like not doing what it was supposed to do. And like, why isn't it, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, had to like, it doesn't really matter. Like it helped me, I guess, accept that this was just the way it is. You know, there are some things that are, that are really not in your control and conceiving happens to be one of those things. So mm-hmm. um, no matter what anybody tells you, by the way, I can like, like been to a specialist. It's true. Maybe there are like minimal exceptions to this. If you have certain medical like specific medical conditions, but in general, like it's cause they even can't give you all
0: the answers. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was, it was a lot of, it sounds like, really learning how to trust yourself and kind of lean into the process instead of being so focused on cuz i think oftentimes when we have a goal right it's easy to get focused on the end goal and of which course. pulls us pulls us away from really trusting ourselves here in this body here and now in this moment and like you said you know learning along the journey
1: absolutely like you I don't know how to describe this. It's such a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, Infertility is really, really difficult to deal with. And it's still kind of taboo among certain people, although it's getting better. So you're already, so you're angry at your body for a different reason other than just how you appear. And society has a whole bunch of, (laughs) society has a whole bunch of rules for women with that, as we know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unspoken rules, you know, and, um, so I struggled with that. Like I really, um, but I, my work with you, I think really did help because, you know, yeah, you still have bad days in terms of infertility and in terms of how you feel about your body and ter- like your image of yourself mm-hmm. of how, you know, in, in terms of our work But yeah. with infertility, it's like deeper and cuts in a way that in a different way. So, yeah. but I learned that I, just had to do the best that I could do. You know, I had to just keep going. That's for me personally, at least where I was in my journey, my infertility journey, that's how it was. I had to keep listening to doctors. I had to keep, you know, doing what they told me to do and then keep trying to maintain my sanity and my like mood on the other side of that.
0: Yeah. Your, your resiliency kind of going through it. I think it's important to, you know, for anybody listening, whether it's a fertility fertility journey whether it's an intuitive eating journey is that if somebody's telling you like xyz is going to happen at the end of the process like 100 percent guarantee, that's almost that's a lie you know. <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah no please what what are your immediate thoughts on
1: that like oh no like i mean just i mean i can speak more Almost to the fertility thing But well it applies to both things But basically online Like in on the Reddit community Which is kind of where I turned Because I didn't know anyone In real life Who had gone as far as I had Through like infertility treatment and stuff So it was hard for me to relate And so I went on to Reddit And um, there's a whole bunch of people That post these funny memes That are like What's the number one lie That you were taught in school And it's like that um, You know having sex results in a baby mm-hmm. Like ha 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 mm-hmm. For like a whole mm-hmm. swath of people in the world That's not true at all um, yeah. Not to be dark about it, but it's, you know, that's, that's how, that's also how I deal with stuff, by the way, is humor. I'm sorry <laughs> if I offended you. <laughs> um,
0: but I but, think, I think that yeah. we, you know, if I can speak, you know, from just working with you too, like you were so, by you being so open to the process, I think what a lot of, you know, resulted from it was, was just holding space and being able to have that safe space to process through what you're feeling about your body, you know, what impacted it, right. And really kind of talking, talking through that, you know, allowed you to, to have a lot of more of that self-compassion. And I think to handle, to handle the bigger, you know, I don't want to say that intuitive eating is a big journey, but fertility is like, we've talked about before this, it's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole nother roller, roller coaster amusement park. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah. like the biggest i mean i
1: laugh about it but no it's true and to have and it's just applies i think to every area of life that may or may not be challenging is to like hold space and to listen to anyone who's struggling there needs to be more empathy in this world and we need to stop like playing by all the rules like to to get there um yeah i don't know that sounds so broad but in terms of your work it was so important to have someone be like hey look like I don't care that you're not like a size six and that you don't have a six pack. And I don't want to make you feel bad about it anymore. Like, mm-hmm. like let's, I know that sounds so generalized and you,
0: no, she never said those things. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, know, because I feel like if someone were to say that to you, you would immediately be like, wait, wow. right, wait, wait, I wasn't even thinking that I didn't have a six pack. Why did you just bring that up? Right. Yeah. But, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that no, was like what a- you're <laughs> saying
0: is no I love it it's so funny but what you're saying is right like recognizing that you know or sounds like for you I am worthy like I am worthy oh of yeah respecting myself loving myself you know treating my body with kindness now regardless yes. of what what that number is
1: yeah oh yeah regardless of what the number is and regardless of like how society treats you and regardless of whether or not you're, you know, able to have a baby like um, yeah. within X amount of time or something. There's
0: so yeah, many Regardless like, of rules. your history, regardless of like what, where you've been and where you are or where you want to be. Like, yeah,
1: you're worthy and you have to like love yourself through all the phases and all the things. Mm-hmm. And regardless of like the society's standards that make you feel like crap about whatever that's what you really helped me with because I really like, I've always been really hard on myself and I have had only a small handful of people that recognize that in me to be like, Hey, like cut that out. Like that's not, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we don't (laughs) talk like
0: that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I love that. (laughs) So what advice would you have for somebody who is on the fence about a non diet approach or intuitive eating or, you know, They're like, what is this? There's no way. What would you tell them?
1: I would say to learn about it at least, like give it a shot and see if you change your mind because it just, it gives you something back that you don't even know that you're missing. Like you, Mm -hmm. you know, it gives you back faith in yourself in a way that you maybe didn't think about. (laughs) It gives you back, like you break it down in all of your posts and stuff, but it really does give you back like a freedom that um, you may be missing. I don't know. There's so much, like I could, I could talk for like a million years about it. I'm trying to like make it in the simplest terms. I can think <laughs> you're of. Like
0: if I had 30 seconds in an elevator, what would I say? Yeah, oh, like the, the pressure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Like just like, just, just give it a shot, read about it. Try to learn if you're willing to like work with a professional, like you Katie or something. And it's an investment in ourselves because it's priceless work. It's something that you already have in you anyway. Like you were born with this <laughs> not, and not in like the, um, whatever, the Maybelline way or whatever, whatever brand uses that. <laughs>
0: that's, that's <laughs> like, what you that. The way you said that is immediately where my head went. I was like, yeah, hey, me too. <laughs> <with it." laughs> so that's when yeah. I got stuck. What, what was that? What was
1: like that Lady Gaga like? too. Yeah. I, but I mean, we laugh about it, but it's such important. It sounds so silly, but it's important work. It's almost like therapeutic mm-hmm. internal work that I wish everybody had to, that was like re- a requirement to like an adulthood. <laughs> like
0: That's great advice though, to just yeah. have an open mind. And if you're curious, you know, and you, we could say it's about anything, right? If you're curious, lean into it. What's the worst yeah. that could happen is you just learn, you learn something new. Yeah, you 100%. Get to kind of like you said, presenting the, this information to people, you know, not going through it. Right. You, you give them the information and they get to choose what they want to, they get to choose what they want to do with it. Right. So same idea. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had a few like
1: Instagram only friends that I was reposting her stuff and like posting intuitive eating related things. And my stories and like a few women like that I know online only are like reached out to me and were like, Oh my God, this like, you don't understand like how this I get this feeling like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, and I relate. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or I would just refer them to your page, which I still do and be like, this is who I worked with. This is just look at her stuff. That's always oh my, my first gosh. thing. It, like, just Go look at best. it. Like, just, I'm serious. And I'm not even trying to just, you know, kiss your butt. I'm serious. <laughs> like there's been a few people. And I just feel like it should be open to every woman should have this. I mean, every man too, truly, but like every woman that feels the societal pressure to like be a certain way and like be like super thin and like be on a diet and like, um yeah, there's another way that yeah. it doesn't have
0: to be like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like it. it's such a freedom. Like I'm so grateful for being able to work with you and like what I learned with you and uh, to even talk to you now, but.
0: Well, I was just going to say, Katie, I'm so grateful for you. I mean, this is just a testament to just you as a person. And I think that's one of my favorite things about this work is that the people I get to work with, the people I get to meet, you know, here we are. Oh uh, yeah. I, I would consider us friends in a sense at this point. Yes. Right. Like yes. we talk, I feel like we talk all the time on Instagram. And yes, I just I, I so appreciate that you know our paths cross. And oh, I me love too. I love just hearing, you know, your update and your perspective and just being able to watch you grow over the the year has been such oh, such yes. a reward.
1: Thank you so much. Yes, I I don't know. I'm just glad to be here. We do what we can with what we learn. And I mean, I'm still not perfect. I'd like to re- reiterate that I'm still on my path, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I'm grateful for the tools that
0: you have given me. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's it's a journey. So I love to finish up episodes with this question, but I feel okay. like I already know the answer. Ah, I'm going to ask yeah. it anyways. Tell us what is the best thing that's happened to you this week?
1: Oh gosh, it's Halloween week. <laughs> it's just that's the best thing. That's the best thing. I have like my my decorations are all out in our front yard in my house. I have my skeleton friend here that you can't see right now because we don't have the video on. I'm just in my element this week and I, I love it. It's like so great. It's also my wedding anniversary is on Halloween. So it's also oh, that's happy. Yes. I forgot <laughs> yeah.
0: about that. Oh my yes. gosh. So many things to celebrate.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's just a happy. I think it's a very magical time. Like for me personally, it's a very magical time of year. Uh yeah. So I'm just i h ha- I'm a happy camper this week.
0: I, I love just, it. I love <laughs> it. Well, Katie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. I was so glad to do this. Hey friend, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of fit friends, happy hour. Now, if this resonated with you and you are ready to take the next steps for your food freedom journey, I invite you to schedule a free strategy call. Just go to katiehake.com forward slash schedule. We'll put the link in the show notes as well. You'll fill out a short application. Then you'll get a zoom link. We'll jump on a quick call really just for me to hear a little bit more about you, your story, your goals, what is important to you about food freedom. And then you can ask any questions you have for me, what it looks like working together, and we'll go from there. So hope to talk to you soon. And as always, live fierce, be free. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you like this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.